Well, hey, good morning. morning. I see a little bit of, uh, let's see, I see a little bit of brown and orange out there. I see a little bit of black and gold. I see some black and white, black and silver down here. Got a little bit. I got any Chicago Bears out there? Any? No? Yeah, I don't blame. There's not much to root for up there right now, so. Hey, welcome. Back in uh, 2013, March of 2013, Kristen and I were living in central Illinois, uh, a town called Lincoln, a town of about 15,000 people. I'd been pastoring a church there for about seven years, and one night when we were praying, we felt like God said to us, you're going to be wrapping up your ministry there on October 1st, 2013. And we're not normally people who hear things like that, so we kind of talked it over, like, are, are we crazy? Like, did you, did you kind of sense that too? Yeah, I did too. And, and so immediately we got some people together to pray for us, some of our people who could just pour into us, and they got together every two weeks and prayed. There's about 10 people who prayed extremely faithfully through that transition that mean the world to us. Uh, and then as the, the spring wore on, the summer wore on, we started to sense that what we were call, being called to was to go and to plant a church. We had no idea where at or anything else, but we started looking into the opportunities. And the whole time, this October 1st, 2013 date looming as we got closer and closer. And so we got to August 2013, you know, less than two months away from that date. And we went to this thing called a church planning assessment which is where they poke you with all kinds of pins and needles and tell you if you're crazy enough to actually go plant a church. And they said, yeah, yeah, you're crazy enough to do it for sure. Amen to that. Uh, and, uh, but they said, we think you guys don't know where you're supposed to go yet, um, but that you guys need to take a step of faith. Uh, we think that you guys should go back, quit your jobs, sell your house, move out of town, and see what God does next. Did I mention that we had a two- and one-year-old at the time? It sounded absolutely crazy to me, but I looked over to my wife, who was generally the more stable one, and she was nodding her head in agreement. And I thought, man, she is crazy enough to plant a church, isn't she? Like, she, she's ready to go along with this. And so, uh, so when, we, when we got back in the car and drove home, I said, well, I guess we should call a realtor. And called a realtor and said, hey, we don't want anybody in the house until after Labor Day, so give us, you know, a week and a half to figure some things out and all that. And uh, so the realtor calls us back the next day, and he said, hey, we've got two people that want to get in your house right away. And I was like, after Labor Day, they can get in? He's like, no, I don't think you want to wait. Okay, and so that Wednesday night, I went to uh, the church meeting, the elders meeting, with my resignation in hand, ready to tell them, God's calling us to plant a church we don't know where, but we need to take this step of faith. And as I'm standing there, uh, sitting there with my resignation in hand, my phone rings. It's the realtor. He says, uh, so I've got a full price cash offer on your home. Uh, there's only one contingency. They need to move in on October 1st. And I said, um, give me a minute to think about this, because I had to pick my jaw up off the floor, of course. Uh, and so that's what we did. We sold our house, turned into resignation. Everything was moving forward. About a month after that, I was sitting down with a senior pastor friend of mine who's been a mentor to me uh, named Eddie Lowen. He was actually a pastor here in Columbus, believe it or not, for six years. Um, looking back on that kind of blows my mind how it all worked out. Um, but, um, and uh, he said, you know, Dustin, your story sounds a lot like Abraham's. You 
have been called to go to a land, you know, God says, go to a land that I will show you. He didn't tell Abraham even where it was at. He just called him to go and to follow, and Abraham did, and that's what you guys are trying to do. And I thought, well, that's pretty cool. And then, you know, we had been, we had just resigned from the church, so we started going to different churches to visit. And the next four Sundays we went to church, we heard a sermon from the same passage about the same guy. Anybody going to guess who it was? Abraham. And God's whispers became his screams and his shouts to where we couldn't miss what was going on. And so today, as we talk about letting go of trapezes, as we talk about taking the step of faith that God has before you, as we wrap up this series, I want to challenge you um, with the story of Abraham, because my guess is, is a lot of you have thought about letting go over the last couple of weeks. Some of you have let go, but there's other ones of you that are still holding on, and you need one last challenge to let go of that trapeze today to take hold of what God has next for you. Or maybe you already have let go of that trapeze, but you've been caught looking over your shoulder to what's behind you rather than what's in front of you. Have any of you ever done that before? And instead of looking to the God who's going to catch you, you're still leaning back thinking, maybe I can grab a hold. There's one last chance to grab a hold of that bar again and be safer. Whatever your story is, I'm going to take a look at Genesis, the 12th chapter today. But there's a few things that I want to let you know before we get into this text by way of discouragement, okay? So here are three things that I want to share with you that you need to know before you let go of that trapeze by way of discouragement. First of all, after you let go of that trapeze, everything will not go smoothly for you. <laughs> Amen to that, right? As much as I'd love to tell you everything's going to fall into place, uh, you've heard the story of, of our houses selling that I've shared with you before, things like that. Uh, man, sometimes those things all fell into place. But I tell you what, there was always situations where things did not fall into place. Well, actually, the one that I think of, after we sold our house there in 2013, we moved to Chicago and something did fall into place. It was while I was playing basketball and looking for a job temporarily while we were still waiting to see where God was going to send us, and I fell into place because a calculus teacher tripped me while playing basketball. It's not even a good story. It's a calculus teacher, you know? I mean, like, if he would have been a geometry teacher, he'd have taken a better angle, and we wouldn't have had that problem, but he was a calculus teacher, right? It just doesn't add up at all. And so I was here with two kids. Kristen had to work full-time because I couldn't find a job because my arm that was supposed to heal in a week, it didn't heal at all. In fact, I could only move it to 33 degrees right here. I could move it here to here, here to here, which does wonders for your golf game, which is already bad. And that was it. And so I was going to therapists and everything else, trying to figure out what was going on, all the while trying to change two kids' diapers. And I mentioned we had a two and a one-year-old yet through all this. Have you ever tried to change two kids' diapers with one arm? It's not good. It's just not. So everything will not go smoothly after you let go. Things didn't always go smoothly for Abraham either. He faced all kinds of adversity, and so will you. The second word of discouragement I have for you today is that you will fail God in this. You're going to mess up. Even when you take steps of faith, you, you're going to get some things wrong. I do it. You do it. Abraham did it. 
Abraham actually tried to like convince like the ruler of the land that they were going into that his wife was his sister, and that it'd be okay for the, the king to take Abraham's wife Sarah as, as an extra wife in his harem. Can you imagine how that conversation went after Sarah got home later on? Yeah, yeah, like that's, that's not good. Abraham messed up. So will you. So have I. But the thing of it is, is that getting caught by God isn't about you being perfect. It's about him being faithful. And what you can count on is that God will be faithful and he will be gracious. And you will probably learn more from his grace than you have from your own obedience. Third word of discouragement for you. Are you discouraged yet? Third word of discouragement, you are not going to see all the results of letting go in your lifetime. You're not going to see them all in your lifetime. Because by letting go, you're choosing to invest in what God can do multi-generationally. Even for us, we went to, church, or we went to plant the church in Omaha, and this, you know, a couple of weeks ago when we were saying goodbye to everybody, somebody had a party for us, and some of the people that were closest to us came, and like people were coming around and speaking to us and talking about how much they appreciated uh, our, our ministry there. And it was very encouraging, but at the same time, it was like, man, like we were just getting started. God's just getting started in these people's lives. We're not going to be there to see everything that God continues to do in their lives. And that's tough. That's tough. But I'm telling you, God will be faithful to do something bigger than your lifetime. And that's what I want. I want something bigger than me bigger than my lifetime, something that affects my kids and my grandkids, my great-grandkids, and keep on going and going and going. So with those three pieces of discouragement, you may be asking the question, why should I let go? Why should I let go after you have encouraged me so greatly with Dustin? Well, let me tell you why. Because here's what happens in the book of Genesis. We're going to be in Genesis 12 today. The first two chapters of Genesis, what we see is that God is a good creator. Everything he creates is good until he gets to human beings, and he says, that's very good. And it is all going good, and it is all blessed. But the Bible doesn't end there, does it? We flip the page to chapter 3, where we see humanity decides to take their own direction, just like you and I have. And what we see in chapters 3 through 11 is a series of curses that is brought upon humanity, not because God's evil, but because he's good, and humanity has taken a direction in which they are bringing curses upon themselves. There is a total of five curses that are explicitly stated in Genesis 3 through 11. Remember that number, five curses, okay? We get to Genesis 11, we find out about Abraham's dad that's just briefly mentioned. And as we're reading about Abraham's dad, we find out that he started to go into the land of Canaan, which would later become Israel, the promised land, but he stopped halfway there. And maybe you're kind of feeling like that too, where your parents laid down a foundation for you, and they took you so far, but yet you feel like there's more room to go. You feel like you need to take it further than what your parents did. This story is for you to build upon their legacy, and hopefully my kids want to take it further than I do too. So here's the story that we see here. Remember, five curses so far. Genesis 12, verse 1. It says, the Lord says to Abram, because that's what he went by back then was Abram. 
until God changed his name to Abraham. Here's his command. Go from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Basically what he's saying is go from the land where you know how to make money, from the family that you know and the people that you know, and go to a place, and oh, by the way, I'm not even going to tell you where that's at. Load up the U-Haul and the camels and get marching, and I'll tell you when to stop. Lord, a little more clarity would be nice. Maybe God's calling you to take a step of faith, and like Indiana Jones in the last crusade, you can't see that step. But you need to step and trust that God is faithful. And so he says in the second verse, I will make you into a great nation. No kids do Abraham and Sarah have. And yet he's promising to make them into a great nation. Maybe you feel like what is in front of you is absolutely impossible. You're like, God, how could you do that? I don't even have kids. And Abraham was 75 at the time. What is impossible before you? And yet you sense God is calling you forward. Okay, now when we go through these next few verses, what I want you to do is I want you to count every time I say the word bless or blessing or blessed. Okay? Can you do that with me? So if I say bless, you say one. All right? Do you remember, by the way, how many curses were in the first two chapters? Five. You guys, you guys are either hearing me or you're praising the Lord today, so that's good. All right. Here we go. I will bless you and make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Basically, the entire history of humanity has been cursed and now God is speaking to this one man who instead of several thousand years of walking in the curse, God is now choosing to work through one man, through one family, and three verses to reverse every one of the curses and to make them into blessings instead. James McCowan, a scholar, says the blessing of Abraham is strategically positioned so that it marks a turning point in the book of Genesis. A turning point from an agenda dominated by cursing to one that is dominated by blessing. So why should you let go? Let me tell you why. Because God wants to change your story and your family line from curses to blessings. God wants to take the curses of the past and to work to reverse them so that you can be blessed, but not only so you can be blessed, when we're talking about blessing, we're not talking about like having a bunch of money in the bank account, because let's face it, you can have a bunch of money in the bank account and not be anything like Christ. But what we're talking about is a blessing of character, a blessing of hope, a blessing of transformation, a blessing of freedom from addiction. That you can cross that line. And not only are you blessed, but just as Abraham, you can be blessed to be a blessing. Because blessings are not meant to be hoarded. They are meant to be spread, and there are plenty to go around for the entire world. 
So why should you let go? Because God wants to change your story from curses to blessings. And maybe you're looking at your story, you're looking at your past, and you think, man, it's full of curses. We see it from generation to generation. We see how, how we've seen little signs of hopes, but it hasn't changed. We've seen little, little rises, but the valley's twice as deep as, as the mountain was high. What if you can be the one? What if you can be the one to step forward in faith? Because the reality is, it's a little bit like stepping under an umbrella when it comes to the blessings. It was all raining outside today when you came in, right? That umbrella doesn't do any good if you hold it on over here, does it? And the reality is, is that if you want to experience God's blessings, if you want to experience that transformation in your life, what it takes is saying, I'm willing to walk under the umbrella of blessings. Because that's where God's protection is at. And that requires a step of faith. God wants to change your story from curses to blessings. That's what my parents did. That's why I'm here. You've heard me talk about when I was eight years old, they made the decision to, to work through their issues in their marriage, and they found Christ as a result. God worked in them, and, 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 and because of that, that's where I am at today. And I hope that because Kristen and I, we want to work through our issues, we want to work through our pain, uh, and because you want to do the same, that we can pass that blessing on to generation after generation after generation after generation. Amen? That's the goal, that this just gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And that there's no more curse because God has taken it away as you've walked under his umbrella of grace. Well, let's talk about this. You want to hear what Abraham's response was? Abraham gave a speech. No. God didn't ask him to make a speech. He called him to pack his bags. It says in verse 4, So Abraham went. Three words. So, because of what God did, Abraham did what God told him to do. It's simple obedience, church. This isn't complicated. This isn't something that's rocket science or brain surgery or, you know, brain science or rocket surgery or however that works. This isn't like trying to figure out the coronavirus and when it's going to end or anything like that. This is about walking forward in God's grace. So Abraham went as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Secondly, we see in the second half of verse 4, oh, by the way, Abraham was 75 years old. Abraham went with his walker and got out there and went. Sorry, yeah. Some of you are thinking that you're too old to make a change. Abraham could have had that excuse. Some of you are thinking you're too far gone. Your time's come and gone. You can't make a difference. Or maybe you just messed up one too many times in your mind. The truth is, is that God is not nearly as concerned about that as you are. In fact, he's not concerned about it at all. As long as your heart's still beaten, there's still hope. And it says that he took his wife, Sarah, which is a good thing to do, to take your wife with you along the way and his family and everything else with them in verse 5. But God didn't speak to Sarah. He didn't speak to Lot, but Abraham took them along too to experience the blessing. Maybe God's calling you to step up and to lead your family, to lead your friends, to lead your co-workers, and it's time for you to step up and to bring them with you. 
You are not blessed to hoard it all to yourselves. You and I are blessed to be a blessing. Just over a month ago, I was on my way from Omaha to Columbus. And halfway along the way, I stopped in central Illinois to the first church where I served for the funeral of my friend, a guy I looked up to, Dave Hole, who was 54 years old. Passed away after a three-year bout with cancer. I shared a little bit of this story with you before, but I want to share something that I didn't share with you before. Dave's wife, Annette, and his three amazing kids were there. The kids that I saw grow up a little in the church now are, are great big, and uh, they're, they're walking faithfully with the Lord. And Dave's one of those guys that what you sees what you get. Like he, he wasn't like famous or anything, but he was kind of like a local legend in the area because everybody respected him. Everybody knew he had the best intentions. If he ever had to come talk to you about something uh, that was tough, if he ever had to come, like he had to come rebuke me a couple times as a young pastor, um, and when he came and did it, he did it through tears because he, his heart was just as broken as mine was, if not more so. He was that good of a guy who was counting on God's blessings. His greatest fear was that he was going to be forgotten, that nobody would remember him. And he finally came to peace with the grips that no matter what, his children and his children's children would remember him. His children and his grandkids were there. And at one point during the service, as people would come up and share, it's one of those funerals where, you know, you go to some funerals and you're like, yeah, I don't know if I believe half of this stuff that's being said. But like in this situation, you know it was all true. He was really that good of a guy. His son came up with uh, his wife and son picked up a guitar uh, and his son's wife began to sing a song that's called The Blessing. And it's based on the blessing out of Nehemiah, or excuse me, not Nehemiah, Numbers 6. And it says, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. And later in the song, it says, may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. And man, I was just sitting there thinking, man, this is such a perfect song because that's what Dave was all about. Uh, even though he died way too young, like he left such a legacy that this is going to go on. This is going to continue. And, and I was just sitting there just thinking about it. There, right there in the second row, um, his daughter Jordan, who's in her mid-20s, just became a mom, been a wife for several years, a wonderful woman of God, just stands up at, in the middle of her dad's funeral, just stands up and puts both hands in the air and worships her living father. And, and, and as she did that in that moment of worship, we just all, I mean, we just all lost it because we realized that that's, that's the promise that we all have. The promise that we all have is that, that no matter how long our earthly mom and dad stand around, that our heavenly father is living, that Jesus is risen, and that the greatest blessings that we receive from our parents are really because God worked through our parents. And one by one, all the people around Jordan just stood up, both hands in the air in worship. And that morning, the funeral was turned into celebration. Despair was turned into hope. Death was turned into resurrection. And there's part of me that's just, man, I just wish Dave was here to see it. I just wish he was there to see it. 
But you know what? Dave lived in such a way that even though he couldn't see that moment, he knew that it would happen because he trusted in God's promises. And this morning, maybe you're just hanging on to something that's, that's too great for you. And, and you need to know that, that God gives you the strength to let go. I asked God and the team if they would lead us in that very song, The Blessing. Maybe you've heard it on the radio. Maybe this is the first time you've ever heard it. But I just want to call us to respond this morning. And maybe just like Jordan, you need to stand up today and, and, and worship with both hands in the air and say, God, I'm yours. Maybe, maybe you need to just kneel down where you're at and pray. You've got plenty of room between the rows to do that if you'd like to do so. Maybe you're at home and you just need to, to kneel there on your couch. Maybe, maybe you have your children there with you or your wife or your husband with you and you just want to pray a blessing on them as we sing this. But the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, the Lord make his face shine upon you and the Lord be gracious to you and give you peace. Those words may be 3,000 years old, but they're just as true today as they were then because God is faithful. The God who rose his son Jesus from the dead is faithful to resurrect you and to resurrect hope in your life. So let's stand together and may we be faithful to let go and to take hold of the hope that God has for us. Oh